This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Tuesday, June 23rd, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And I'm so excited for you to be here with me on this beautiful Tuesday. I know it's been a wild and crazy year, but hey, we're alive, we're breathing, uh, hopefully we're healthy, and there's a lot to discuss, a lot to get to, a lot of questions to answer, and ultimately that is our main goal here on Invest Talk is to find out what questions you have and give you the best possible, well-educated, well-researched answer. And hopefully, the more we do that, the more lessons you can learn from an individual call and an aggregate. And that will lead to better decision making. So today in this program, I will do my best to provide you with unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions that we try to do every day. So we want to help you develop strategies to deal with the volatility, the kind of market that we're in now, understand the market in context to history, to the economic backdrop, to the earnings backdrop, to the various risks that are out there. That's something people don't discuss nearly enough for the types of risk, currency risk, inflation risk, default risk, liquidity risk, different types of risk. Different asset classes have different types of risk. Different sectors of the market have different types of risk. And some more than others. Some correlate well with the US dollar or vice versa or another metric or interest rates, for example. So understanding those dynamics can be very, very helpful. So I'm ready to take your calls, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. I'm Justin Klein, and here on Invest Talk and at my company, KPP Financial, which we're based in Irvine, California, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. That's our goal is to have you, let you ride along with our success, and I encourage you to reach out to through our website, through our 800 number, 888-99 chart, like I said, and we are going to do our best to give you some unbiased guidance. Maybe you do that yourself. Maybe we do it for you. Uh, there are a lot of ways that we certainly can help, and we have investment strategies that we implement for ourselves and our clients as well, which we call parallel investing. Now that I've set things up for today, I'm ready for your calls. Once again, 888-992-4278. Give me a call sooner rather than later. I know yesterday we had, I think, only one one live call and a bunch of people call right at the end of the show. <laughs> so if you're live, get your call in sooner rather than later. Now, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we have suspended all travel. But if you want to set up a portfolio review, just head over to investtalk.com and submit 
an inquiry there and we'd be happy to go over whatever you're, uh, whatever you're holding and figure out whether it's right, whether it's allocated correctly for today's market as well as your longer term goals. Now, my main talking point today concerns the story. Trump wants jobs to come back to the U.S., but companies and consumers might disapprove. We're going to talk about the hurdles that are in place to make that difficult. That's why it really hasn't uh, up until now, three and a half years in. So what would it take to reshore the U.S. economy as well as who would benefit and who would be hurt by it? So we're going to touch on that also. Robinhood. How does Robinhood make money? Right? How do these big brokers make money now? Right? What is their business model? Right? They're not collecting commissions, but they are making money in some ways. So we're going to discuss how. And what maybe that means for you if you have a Robinhood account or a different brokerage account. Also, a lot of people talk about the Fed juicing the stock market. And in some ways, I think that's true. But there's a bigger way, more indirect way that it's boosting the market. And we're going to discuss that as well, what that mechanism actually looks like. And then lastly, should you buy individual stocks as a newer investor? I'm going to give you pros and cons of each. Remember, there's always pros and cons of every decision that you make, whether that's finance or in life as well. So those are the things that are on my mind. Those are the things that I want to discuss today, but ultimately I need to know what's on your mind. So 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's take a quick look at the market today. Very modest update, about three tenths of 1% on the S&P. And we closed near the low of the day. That was interesting to me was that we rolled over late in the afternoon. We kind of uh, had a nice spike open on the open, even after Navarro said last night that the trade deal was off, and then he kind of backtracked after futures fell dramatically. So it'll be interesting to see if that's actually true, uh, and if we get follow-through for the close t uh, today, which was near the low, and so far the futures are down, uh, will this be the start of that storm that I've been expecting? I think uh, we're getting closer. Let's go to Farham in San Jose, looking at SIVR, which is Aberdeen Standard Silver, which is a physical silver ETF. Hi, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, my yeah. query is actually on what is the right vehicle for investing in silver? Uh, is it too better to go with a silver commodity ETF or to go with a miners ETF, um, similar to what we do in gold? And if you could recommend any ETF across both those scenarios. Also, if you have time, could you talk mm -hmm. more about the gold to silver ratio that you have mentioned a couple of times in your uh, Friday analysis? Sure. Uh, well, I'll kind of go over the, the precious metal sector as a whole, and this applies pretty much to silver or gold. How you get exposure just simply depends on your risk tolerance, right? You, your, your original one, SIVR, that is a physical silver ETF. So it's, it's investing in physical silver. There's uh, probably some extra cost there, but it, it's a safer way, right? It's a, the paper physical way to hold 
silver. And there's a, there's gold ones as well. I think CEF is another one, uh, which is physical gold and silver has a diversification has both gold and silver. Uh, so that's, that's certainly the safest way if you want to invest in it in your brokerage accounts, IRAs, etc. Now you could then go to the paper market, right? Where you're owning a GLD, for example, or an SLV, uh, or, uh, was it a, no, yeah, yeah. Those are, those are the two biggest ones. You could own those. That's a, a little more risky, but still relatively safe. Now, the riskier ways to go would be the miners. And be, the reason the miners are riskier is because they have operating leverage. If the price of gold and silver goes up by a dollar, typically that's a dollar simply extra in profits, right? Because their cost to mine it hasn't really changed. But the amount they can get for their uh, silver and gold goes up that whole dollar almost, right? So there's not that correlation, right? Where typically you sell more, right? If Apple sells more iPhones, their cost of goods is going to go up as well, right? Because they have to make that iPhone, right? So when it comes to gold and silver, you're just, uh, margins are expanding. So they're sensitivity to to gold and silver is much, much higher. So it's just all about the level of risk, right? If, if gold drops 10% or silver drops 10%, the miners typically drop 20 to 30% and vice versa. So it's really about your level of risk tolerance. I like the miners. I like, if I'm right, I want to be really right. And I want the best bang. And I want to own the best miners. And you can go even the riskier and have uh, the developers, right? Your really small companies that are developing mines and maybe haven't struck it or, you know, they, they just haven't really developed a big mine yet and don't have huge cash flows. And that is another extra layer of risk there as well. And, and that goes down to which ones will actually execute. So, you know, it's really up to you. It's really up to you how you do that. Now, silver to gold ratio, I don't really care that much about it. I know everyone points to the gold and silver ratio is near all-time high, so silver needs to catch up. And I think part of that is just simply that we've been in a relatively poor market for gold and silver since 2011, 12. Uh, 16, we had that big perk up and we've been consolidating ever since. And I think that was the start of the bull market in gold and silver. Um, but really what it's about is understanding the ratio, if it's going up or down. And right now, silver is starting to outperform gold, which is a good thing for the precious metal market. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein and we have started summer and no doubt people across the country are ready to celebrate. So... When will the country get back in high gear? And how can you be better prepared for market swings that are likely to continue for some time? We can talk about this, and your participation is as important as ever. So we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Steve and Justin have recorded an all-new Rapid Fire Hour. It's a free podcast download, and you'll hear answers to 30 caller questions. Search Invest Talk June Bonus Show. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls. 
888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin and Steven. I'm calling from Pasadena. Wanted to hear your thoughts on Roku. Was looking to buy it. Thank you. All right, looking at Roku, this is a $15 billion market cap company. And it is has always lost money. Uh, earnings are expected to be negative $1.70 this year and $1.32 next year. They haven't. They had some minor positive free cash flow in 2017, but uh, it's been negative uh, ever since. And they've been issuing a ton of shares. In 2017, they had 28 million shares outstanding. And now they have 118 million. So they're uh, diluting shareholders pretty steadily here. Now revenue continues to grow, but it's at the end of the day, it's a it's an advertising platform. And I and technically it looks relatively poor. I like that they have minimal debt, but you know it's making lower lows and lower highs. It is extremely expensive for expensive, excuse me, enterprise value to revenues. 12, 12 times extremely expensive. So uh, I am not a fan of, of Roku. I actually think it looks like a pretty good short to me, both technically and fundamentally as well. So I would certainly pass on Roku, if not short it. Now, could the US dollar decline rapidly? And if yes, what would that mean for life in America? Now, I'm going to say... That's likely. I think we're in the start of a longer term downtrend in the dollar. Now, Yale University senior fellow Stephen Roach said that this could happen in warp speed. And I don't know if I think it's going to happen in warp speed because there's a lot of cross currents and dollars are in demand. But you just see the fiscal situation. We are in a fiscal crisis. Right? No entity in the world is short dollars more than the U.S. government. So they need dollars, the, do- the price of the dollar to go down in order to inflate its way out of the deficit and the debt. And so what does that mean? Well, I think once we kind of stabilize a little bit in the economy, probably early next year, not to say we're back to where we were before covid you're going to see inflation really start to tick up, especially on imported goods. Uh, and inflation is likely around the corner because of the weakness uh, in the dollar. Now I'm ready to take your finance and investment questions live at 888 chart You are listening to Invest Talk. Justin Klein is here, and if you've been watching the news and market volatility, you're going to have finance and investment questions. The phone lines are open, and Justin is taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Hi, my name is Anna. I'm calling from Fremont, California. Thank you very much for the show. I would like to know what is the best time to invest in the tech stock. I know now that all the tech stocks are really high. So I want to know, is the, do you think the, there will be a pullback or what would be the uh, best strategy to get into the tech stock market? Thank you. Bye. 
Now, I know the tech market, it's the most interesting. You know, when you're a new investor, it's, it's exciting. And right now, uh, that's certainly the case, right? Those, a lot of those stocks are going up. Uh, but I do think we're very close to a, uh, the next rollover in, uh, the tech stocks. And today was a really interesting move in the SPYG, the growth side. So there's SPYV, which is the S&P value index and then the growth index. And it had what was called a topping tail with very high volume. So I think we could be on the cusp of a, uh, of, of a top, at least, you know, near term, uh, in the, the tech stocks, the growth stocks of the market. Now, when is the best time to buy them? Well, obviously after uh, a more protracted uh, pullback, uh, but growth stocks have been outperforming value for some time. So we are overdue for value stocks to get a resurgence. And if the dollar does weaken, if the dollar does weaken, I definitely think you will start to see the the tech stocks uh, weaken as well. You know, there's a there's a lot of uh, there's 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 a lot of beaten down companies that are not getting a lot of love uh, because of the strong dollars. Think commodity names, uh, and if that does go up, if the if the dollar does go down and commodities start to go up, you're going to see some rotation into value out of growth. Also, if inflation picks up then interest rates are likely to rise and higher interest rates are going to be detrimental to growth stocks as well, those, those, uh, those uh, tech stocks. So, you know, for me, you know, we have a list. We like the tech space. Uh, there's a lot of great companies that we really would love to own at the right price. But right now is a time, I think, where you do a lot of research, where you find those companies that not necessarily your name brands, right? There's a lot of great, fantastic cloud computing names and chip names and uh, names that are just underneath the radar in the tech space that have a great profitability, consistent businesses, secular tailwinds, and doing your research and finding the the buy points and setting alerts. You know, you can, I know for us, we set alerts on Y charts. I can say, oh, if this stock gets to this price, let me know. And boom, we can go buy it, right? So, Having that and setting out that plan right now is important. Uh, not to say there's no tech stocks to buy, but you certainly want to be doing more research right now than buying and waiting for those pullbacks. And patience is a virtue. Let's go to Bob in Sacramento. He wants to talk about gold. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, you know, I was, uh, I'm, Kind of concerned. I, I, I bought a bunch of gold and silver companies in March, and I sold them all, and I have like three left out of the bunch I had. And mm-hmm. for someone that thinks the Dow is going to hit ten thousand in the next six months, is it smart to sell all my gold and silver and then buy it back, like in '07 when it it crashed? Gold and silver companies went down too, and then buy it back then. Well, if you do think the Dow is going to hit 10,000, which right now it's at 26,000 within a matter of months, that means there's going to be an acute liquidity crisis. And when there's an acute liquidity crisis, like kind of like you saw in March, you, you see everything being sold. So correlations go to one. And you're right. Gold and silver would probably go down to some degree in that environment because people are just trying to sell anything to get dollars. Now, I don't particularly think that's going to happen. I think we're going to have a, a rough summer. I think Dow 10,000 is pretty uh, extreme, but the, the Fed is in there 
printing money and they have an eye on this, right? They have an eye on liquidity crisis and they're in there put, uh, putting liquidity in. Now that doesn't mean that necessarily this has to be uh, a giant crash uh, in, in gold and silver. I think what, what you're probably going to see is more of a consistent grind lower as opposed to a liquidity crisis like in, uh, like in, in March. So if you're right and Dow does hit 10,000, uh, in the next few months, yes, gold and silver would definitely uh, be hit, but it's not my base case. What makes you think that's going to happen? Um, I just from the from the chart from '07 and all the other charts. Um, well, I've been following it. It just shows that the Dow's going to hit ten thousand or lower. Um, what I see, I don't know. I mean, well, I think that certainly could be possible over time, you know, going out 12, 18, 24 months. And I'm not predicting that, but I think that's possible. But you said in the next few months, and that would just be, the, I, I don't see the confluence events to see that happening. But hey, you could be right. I don't know. But uh, if, if you are right, yes, gold and silver would uh, go down. So it's really up to you, you know, how you play that. Uh, it's just not my base case. Thanks for the call, Bob. Now, on the next Invest Talk, a story based on this analyst's opinion. When the stock market is this overvalued, it is usually lower 12 months later. The premise here is that as valuations become increasingly elevated, we know they are, the market could be in trouble after its recent surge. That story is tomorrow. Steve will cover that. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. 
As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99Chart. Let's go to AJ in Fremont looking at TVIX. You looking to buy it or you own it? Uh, yes, you know, uh, thanks for your show. I, I actually own it, and I had uh, gotten that as more of a uh, head strategy. Uh, I had a small position mm-hmm. in it, but um, I uh, just saw the news yesterday that Credit Suisse is kind of getting out of the TVIX, and the fund will be delisted. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on what that means and uh, what should I do uh, from now until the fund gets delisted, I think, in July. Well... It's de- when when a when a fund is delisted, uh, basically what happens is they liquidate the assets, right? There's assets within the ETF, and then the shareholders get those assets back, the NAV. Uh, now it's still going to operate until the what, end of July, it sounds like. So it's really up to what you think about the VIX index. Now, to me, uh, if you watch my Friday video, I said the the VIX looks bullish, right? So the, the if the VIX does explode higher, then TVIX would do well. I'll say that. Um, and, and I think you're going to have a, a, an upspike in volatility over the coming uh, week or, or, or two. I think it could happen tomorrow based on the, the chart. The, there's a, a nice bull flag on the VIX. So uh, it's really up to you, your viewpoint and how much risk you want to take. Clearly, TVIX is a trading vehicle. It's not something you want to buy and hold for a long time, but you're going to be forced. You can't hold it for longer than a month or so anyway. Um, So it's really what you think the VIX is going to do over the next month. Is it going to explode higher or is it going to depress back to the lows uh, and break maybe the the 20 level? And then obviously the TVIX won't do very well. So uh, it's really, really up to you. And it's all about your view on the VIX. Thanks for the call, AJ. Let's go to Caleb in Alaska, looking at PayPal. Hi, Justin. Um, I got PayPal back um, near the low at $92 and $112, and I had just two small positions that I bought there. 
and I was curious mm-hmm. if you thought it had any more room to grow or if I should just sell and take my earnings. Well, I do think it's expensive at these levels. I think the fair value is closer to where you bought it. And therefore, it's really about when the the growth side of the market, when the tech stocks are going to roll over. I I talked about the SVYG and why I think today might have been an inflection point uh, on uh, on those type of stocks. Now, the good thing with PayPal is it is in a business that is only going to accelerate uh, in this time of COVID, right? Uh, contact, ta- contactless payment, Venmo, etc., and they have very minimal debt in their balance sheet. But it is very, very expensive. Enterprise value to EBA is fifty-four. Fifty-four. That is extremely high. I want to see this in the twenties for me to get excited about it. Um, so I'm gonna say this is a good time to at least, at least take your initial investment off the table and trail your stop on PayPal. That's what I would do. Thanks for the call, Caleb. Let's go to Sid in North Carolina. Wants to talk about Apple. Hi, Justin. How are you doing? Good afternoon. Um, good afternoon to you as well. Are you looking to buy Apple or do you own it? Uh, thanks to you and Steve for your advice in early 2019, and I had purchase, and now I'm sitting at almost 100% profit on Apple. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking of what should I do? Should I take off my profit from the table, or should I hold for continue? Uh, because it looks quite promising. So looking for your advice. Thank you so much for the wonderful advice that you had given in 2019. I really, really appreciate this. So thank you so much. No problem. Well, we like Apple. We own it for a lot of our managed accounts, and it's a tech stock, right? It's in that. It's in the Fang index, basically. It's uh, the one point six trillion dollar market cap. It is. It's kind of, frankly, it's kind of expensive here. Um, not super expensive. Not a PayPal expensive. Uh, not a Netflix expensive. But it's a little expensive. Uh, certainly, there's some headwinds with the the economy. People probably are going to delay their iPhone purchases. You certainly have the the fight with uh, China, and I don't think that's gonna, going to go away. So there's certainly some headwinds to to Apple. So if you're trying to time it, yeah, this is this is probably a decent time to be to be cutting back. But for us, it's long term, and I would just be holding it through the downturns and trying to save more. And on the downturns, that's when you pick up more Apple, because I think Apple has tremendous uh, staying power, tremendous business. And so I would, uh, it all depends on your time horizon. If you have a long-term time horizon, I don't sell Apple because I think it's still a fantastic company. Now, my main talking point today, pivoting to that, is about how Trump wants to bring jobs back to the U.S. And I have some semi-direct experience with this. One of my best friends, uh, we go on walks now uh, twice a, since COVID started, we go on walks pretty much every other night. We walk about four miles and just talk about life. But he is a, he's a founder of a very fast growing company in the fitness industry. And they're doing very, very well. And he manufactures in China. And talks about the infrastructure that's been built up over decades to be the manufacturing hub of the world. So he sees it as very difficult to 
bring a lot of this manufacturing back to the U.S. because we simply don't have the infrastructure to support some of the industries, many of the industries. Not only that, but in today's world, so many products are made with different pieces from all over the world. They have products where the battery comes from South Korea, the chipboard comes from South Korea, the motor comes from Japan, the uh, other materials come from Germany, right? So they source all those things and there's a lot of efficiency to source all those things to bring it to China to be put together, right? So Peter Navarro, which is Trump's trade advisor, says that manufacturing jobs not only provide good wages, but also create more jobs both up and downstream through multi-tier effects, right? The suppliers of the suppliers. And that's certainly true. And because of the pandemic, we see the necessary drugs we need. There's a national security interest for some type of things that we don't manufacture today, or at least in large volumes. But once again, it's going to be difficult for various reasons. One, manufacturing is pretty complex. It often takes cutting edge technology. And while we have a lot of high-end manufacturing technology here in the United States, it's difficult to produce at the lowest cost possible at this, those same volumes. Like I said, China is, has been doing this for a few decades now. And so having that multi-tiered supply chain means it's not just about, say, building a product here. It's about how do you source the different pieces of that product. So that's going to be difficult. For example, a ventilator has around 1,600 parts that come from suppliers in 14 different countries. That's just one example. Also, reshoring may inc is going to increase costs. It has to. You have higher cost of labor, but you also have the spending, the infrastructure spending needed, right? To build that factory, to build that capability. And China's investing in it to do that, right? In, in technology. Chinese total R&D spending which started the turn of the millennium, so 2000 was 10 billion. In 2018, hit 300 billion, about 2.2% of their GDP. Well, we, we definitely spend more on R&D here. It would need to go up if we were to onshore even more. And China subsidizes a lot of the construction and equipping these production facilities. Why? Because they know that they want their companies to win more business and they want to make it easier for them. And we need to train people to do these jobs. We need to train people in STEM, right? Science, technology, uh, engineering, and math. So our education system would have to change. So the U.S. would need to provide subsidies in order to keep costs down or... U.S. companies are going to assume the costs and their margins will shrink, which is probably unlikely. Or companies will try to pass along the cost to consumers. 
either losing market share or just creating inflation in the in the economy as a whole. Now, what's what's a little more realistic? Well, probably a little bit of everything, right? It might take time to bring jobs back, and it will take probably a decade or more. But it's not just about bringing jobs back to the U.S., but what about to Canada or Mexico? Canada is attractive. Why? Because they have universal health care. About 40% of the cost of a U.S. worker are in fringe benefits. Right? 401k, health care, etc. In Canada, it's half that. Mainly due to their single-payer health care system. So, while the U.S. may be attractive for some reasons, well, Mexico and Canada are pretty attractive as well. Next, Chinese Roblox. Are they going to allow companies to bring back the tooling and the molds and the machinery that are over there? And then, you think they're going to stop producing whatever they were producing before? No. They're going to find another company to produce for. Maybe not in America, but a different company. And they're going to compete. So it's not just about bringing jobs back here, but it's being able to compete with the Chinese companies that will probably continue to produce the same type of products. So long term, I think it's a great idea, but it's going to come with, with roadblocks, challenges. And so don't think that this is going to happen overnight. It's going to take many years, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, if Trump gets reelected, how how far he pushes this. Does he push it even more? Because there really hasn't been a huge uptick. Part of that has to do with the dollar, right? The dollar has been very pretty strong. Now it's about to be probably very weak. That will certainly help. It will expedite it, make our manufacturing more competitive. So. Pretty interesting, a lot of, lot of cross currents, a lot of dynamics to consider when it comes to bringing jobs back, and hopefully we do, but it's not going to happen overnight. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. During these times when social distancing guidelines require most of us to work at home, I encourage you to explore our podcast library with your extra time you might have. So over at investtalk.com, you can click on uh, our investment programs link as well. As well, There are various investment strategy opportunities we offer through KPP Financial. One is Active 401k program, which gives you quarterly investment advice on your particular 401k plan based on fund performance, current market conditions, fund fees, right? Because everyone's plan is a little bit different. Now let's go to Sam over in San Francisco. Wants to talk about the Fang stocks. Um, uh, hi, Justin. Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, I liquidated my position sure. in all of these. Uh, actually, I had all of these stocks uh, just a few weeks ago: uh, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, um, you know, Netflix, and Google. And uh, a few weeks ago, I kind of liquidated them all because I felt, um, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's also going to take a low size and, <laughs> and then they've gone up uh, about 10% or so, I think, on an average. So I'm kind of wondering what your thoughts are on what would be a good entry point for these stocks. Um, Well, it depends on on really what you're which which stock you're talking about. To be honest with you, uh, I, I do think there will be a protracted pullback uh, that will bring a lot of opportunity. Uh, some of the Fang stocks I love, you know, I love the apples. Some I don't. I don't like Facebook. I think their their business model is uh, is shady. Uh, their leadership is shady. Uh, I think if Instagram's saving their butt, uh, I think the Facebook platform is old and tired. And I just don't think they're run very ethically. And there's a lot of scrutiny. You know, uh, Andrew Yang's talking about uh, the initiative to allow people to control the data, control their own data, and monetize their own data as opposed to Facebook's and Google's monetizing the data. And on top of that, you have the cyclicality of the advertising business because that's basically what Facebook and Google are. And so, you know, those are names that less excited about so it's hard for me to answer your question uh, particularly because i don't know which ones you're, you're talking about but what's what like i said i do think we're very close to the at least the near-term top in tech stocks fang stocks now does that mean uh, that, uh, a pullback could simply mean a small shallow 10 15 pullback more of a consolidation and then a move higher past this you know once you get through the summer that's possible as well so not calling and saying they're going to crash, but once again, like the caller before, do your research, have your shopping list, and find the right values that you would love to pick up these tech names. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here, and that's help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. So we're going into our last break. So you need to call right now at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk, the daily market news and analysis program dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. And if you've been following the market swings, you understand how important it is to have Steve and Justin's unbiased guidance. Right now, you can get your questions answered live. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I'm calling from San Mateo. My name is Mark. I'm calling to inquire about Energy transfer, EP. I just want to know your thoughts on this stock, whether it has a huge upside potential. The dividend is huge. Can you tell us more about if this is sustainable? Thank you. Love your show. Thanks for the call. Looking at Energy Transfer Limited Partnership. Now, it does yield about 15.5%. But understand, this is a limited partnership, so it's not going to be taxed at normal dividend rate. It's your ordinary income tax rate. So be aware of that. Lost 32 cents last quarter. And what they do is they're engaged in natural gas midstream transportation and storage business in the United States. And one of the big reasons that their business dropped off a cliff was because a lot of these shale names shut down, right? Shale wells shut down. And a byproduct of most shale wells Liquid shale wells is natural gas, right? They're drilling not for the natural gas, they're drilling the liquid. And so when oil prices negative go, you know, so low like they did a few months ago, they shut down production, which also means they shut down natural gas. 
production, and then there's no no place for them to or no natural gas for coming back energy transfers to move, and so they don't make money, right? So that's the issue here. Now I do think there's going to be a lot of volatility in the near term for oil prices. I think you're going to have another another resurgence uh, downward. When I say resurgence, I guess. Uh, I guess just another drop in energy prices over the next uh, few months as the oversupply continues. And that will certainly hurt energy transfer. Now, that dividend I don't think is safe. I think they are going to cut it. Their payout ratio is 192%, cash dividend payout ratio, 192%. So their cash flow certainly doesn't support, at least in the near term. Uh, and they have a lot of debt, $50 billion in long-term debt in their balance sheet. So that worries me. It's only about $21 billion market cap. I think they'll get through it. I don't think they're going to go bankrupt, but I don't think they're going to maintain that dividend yield, at least in the short to medium term. In the long term, they may repair their balance sheets and get back to where they, they were, uh, but I think the oil market will be uh, fits and starts over the coming uh, couple of years. And so I like what you're looking at, but don't expect... That dividend. And when I would buy it, this is when I would buy it. When they actually announce that dividend cut. right? When they say, oh, we're cutting our dividend and we want to maintain liquidity, that's that would probably be, general in general, a good time. Or you get a big downward thrust for oil prices, which, like I said, is likely to happen. You hit oil back in the $25 a barrel range. I think you're, you're going to see this go down a lot. And the negativity will be back at a high in the oil space. And I think that would be a good time to pick up ET. And I think you'll have a better opportunity sometime later in the year. Now, now thinking broadly about the oil space, the reason why I, I do like a lot of these names is a couple of reasons. One, the investment in shale oil in oil production in general over the past six months or year has gone off a cliff. And so while you're not going to see the effects of that supply impact the market in the near term, it's, it will a year from now, 18 months from now. And if you look at the shale plays, shale wells that were drilled most recently, their decline rates are, are increasing, are more rapid. And so... I think we're going to have a supply issue later next year into 2022. And I think that's when the, the oil names will do very, very well. In the meantime, you need to use the dips and opportunity to buy the names that are going to survive. Now, there will be plenty of names that on the next dip, they go bankrupt. And you need to be, you need to be cognizant of that as well. So a lot of opportunity. Let's stick with companies that have solid balance sheets and will be able to take advantage of this environment for the other side when oil prices do rebound more permanently. I'm Justin Klein. And this completes another Invest Talk program. I will return Thursday. Steve Peasley will be here tomorrow. But please remember to download our new June Rapid Fire Hour bonus podcast. It is free. And you can get it right now over at investtalk.com. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. 
Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 